Perhaps the most controversial topic of discussion in our day revolves around truth. Opinions often blur the lines of an objective truth. Streaming platforms, social media, and other public forums allow individuals to project their truths upon the masses like never before. In the midst of woke, cancel culture, religious freedoms, political liberties, and social injustice, we attempt to search for and reveal the truth. This is Truth Revival. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode of Truth Revival. This is season three, episode six. With me today, we've got the one and only Mr. Nationwide. We're back. What kind of hat are you wearing today? That's Howler Brothers. Another out of ha- Texas. Another Howler Brothers? Yeah, I'm kind of addicted to them. We got to see if they'll sponsor us. You keep giving them shout outs. I know, man. I love them. Howler Brothers. I'm going to ride them. You so should. Hey, man, please hook yeah. us up. All right. I got a, a snapback shirt this week from them. It's a blue jean. Oh, God. I love it. <laughs> well, somebody else that we've got in the in the studio today, somebody I'm very excited about, and that's the born-again gypsy, Miss Carrie Freeman herself. Carrie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Doing well. Now, uh, the born-again gypsy... Um, tell us a little bit about um, a little bit about the, yourself, a little bit about the shop, and then we're going to kind of get into your testimony later. But the Born Again Gypsy, why, why that name? I get this question a lot, and I in high school that kind of became my nickname. I was always very just had you know wore jewelry and big purses, and everybody was like, "Oh, you look like you look like a gypsy," and so it just kind of <laughs> stuck. So when I started my business, I wanted people to know like who I was, but that I was different. Your unique style. Yeah. Well, there's somebody else in this room that fancies themselves a gypsy. Yeah. Me. And that's Paul <laughs> <laughs> So uh, two kindred spirits. Yeah. But there's another guest, a fourth guest in the house today, mm-hmm. and that's Miss Nationwide, Miss Heather Chapman. Heather, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm great. I'm Good. excited to be here and hear um, Carrie's testimony. I've never heard it, so I'm really, really excited to be a part of this. Yes, I am too. And uh, um, so, so Carrie, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Paul, uh, you actually asked Carrie to come in yeah. today. Uh, tell us what it was that kind of drew you to Carrie and why you... Well, on the show. I talked to you, what, several months ago, mm-hmm. and it just never came to fruition. Um, and then I was, I've been working a lot in teleco, and I'm just like, I did a drive-by and said, hey, it's time, let's go. So <laughs> Let's make uh, this happen. Let's make this happen. But, uh, I mean, she's, uh, you said it earlier before we got on online here that she's in the front line. She's Yes. She's constantly working. The Lord's opening many, many doors for you. Agreed. Um, I mean, it's, it's almost become a daily routine that you're going somewhere or you're mm-hmm. doing something. He's opened the door for you to share your testimony or, or share the word. Yeah. And uh, anytime anybody has that opportunity, um, God's got a special calling on their life because that ha- doesn't happen by chance. It's ordained by who he is. And I just, uh, you know, when there's action, I'm, I'm, they call me nationwide because I go where the action is. So when there's action, I want to know what's going on. So that's that's why you're here. <laughs> well, Carrie, if you don't mind, just uh, share your testimony with us, and we're going to kind of, um, you know, talk a little bit yeah. here and there. But we're just going to let you go. Um, okay. Just share God's um, the journey that God has put you on, where you started, how it's going. 
and maybe somewhere in between throw in a Chris Freeman story. Oh, I can do that. <laughs> I can definitely do that. Um, well, I mean, I'm on a journey. I just turned 38 on Wednesday. And so this week I've just been like, wow, just looking over my life because I never, I didn't, I didn't think I'd ever make it to 38. I really didn't. And I, I think it's so awesome that you guys wanted me to share my testimony. And every time I do share my testimony, it's, it's such an honor. I feel like the enemy really fought me on my testimony from the beginning. And I've just learned that what testimony really is, is, you know, it's just an eyewitness account is what it is. Boom. That's what it is. Yeah. And if you break down that word testimony in the Hebrew, it comes from a word that says, do it again in the same might and the same authority. Oh, wow. And so every time I release my testimony, it's just saying, God, do it again. Just do (laughs) it again in someone else. So when I really learned the value of my testimony is when doors just started opening, like you were saying. And so it it was hard to share my testimony because, listen, it's raw. Yeah. It is raw. It's the good, bad, the ugly, and I don't leave anything out. But I think every time that I release my testimony, somebody finds themselves in that and what God can do in that. And so just from the beginning, I was born, I was raised in Madisonville. You know, I'm just local. My dad in the ministry, pastor. I remember when he announced his call to preach. I mean, I didn't know what that meant. I mean, I just knew, like, that was our normal was to go to church. Every Sunday, every Sunday night, Wednesday, Bible school, Christmas program, Saturday night singing, revival. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, that was our norm. Like, that's just what we did. And so um, just raised in church, sat on the front row with my dad. Uh, and he pastored a few churches in between, and um, I— was you know in youth group and everything and but I guess when I got into I think it was the, towards the end of middle middle school I started making like small compromises you know I, I got that little taste of rebellion what it was like to go against your parents wishes and it was just from there and then high school it was just I started hanging out with you know people that like to party and um it was just became like an everyday thing and um, I guess what I'm trying to say was that, you know, I was just in church because that's where my parents were, but it was never like a personal level for me. Can I say something, Carrie? And I've always wanted to like say this and you guys may or may not agree with me, but we grew up in a period of the nineties. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> so much was happening in the nineties. Yes. This was like. M- MTV was big in the 80s, mm-hmm. but like in the 90s, it was almost like they had to do more things to kind of maintain that level of popularity. Like um, if you watch the movies that were that were in the 90s, they were very lewd and crude and perverse. And, you know, I just I hate I mean, this is a podcast, so we can say it, but there was just a lot of sexually explicit mm-hmm. content yep. that was out there. And uh, there was, you know, I can remember American Pie, okay. that movie, and the uh, the party lifestyle, the drugs. And, and, and I grew up watching those movies yeah. and thinking, 
that must be what it's like to have fun. (laughs) And Carrie, I was also growing up in church every time the doors were open. I mean, I was in church too, but like all of my friends were, were bringing these magazines to school, 17 magazine. And they were talking about these, the newest music video. And I can remember the whole Biggie Tupac saga that -hmm. happened back around, you know, the early nineties, but that was probably sixth or seventh grade for me, you know, but still, uh, I can remember like I grew up on country music, but everybody, some of my friends introduced rap music to me. Oh yeah. And when I brought Thug Life home to my mom and dad, it didn't work out too well. <laughs> it did, you know, didn't go over too no, well. It. it didn't go over well. But like I can remember, I went through those same struggles. Yeah, you know, and um, yeah, that that was something I I had kind of an identity crisis mm-hmm. early on in my life because it was like there was a war that was happening. Yeah, I had made a profession of faith in Christ at, a, at an early age. But there was my environment, the people that I was around. Yeah. And boy, it was a war. Yeah. You know? It is a war. It, it was it was a war. You know, and I didn't mean to get you no. off track there, but you know, we see that in our culture. Yeah. That this world is trying to impose itself upon us, upon our families, upon our children. Yeah. You know, and we've been called to be set aside for Christ. Yeah. And how hard is that? That is so hard. Yeah, it's crazy because um, I've been doing a little study on on that, and you know the Illuminati runs the music industry, and so they play on the radio what they want you to hear. Mm-hmm. Hollywood promotes what they want you to see. So, like in the nineties, there all those movies were about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, like Friday or mm. uh, that movie Matthew McConaughey was in where they climb the water tower, and he goes. That's what I like about those freshmen. I get older and they stay the same age, yeah. oh. you know, just just stupid stuff like that. Just promoting that party. And that's kind of what took over. And and it shifted into that. And, and you see now we're in an epidemic of drugs. People are just, you know, that that ushered in the wave that we're fighting now. Yeah. Of I've drugs. always felt that way, yes. but I've never actually really vocalized it. Yeah. But, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And so now if you see what Hollywood's promoting. The uh, equality, uh, transgender, homosexuality, mm-hmm. they're promoting all that stuff to make it normalized to where the kids will be, oh, it's okay to do that. It, it's cool to be fat. It, it, you know, Hollywood's mm-hmm. doing it, so I'll do it. it. It's an attack. The enemy runs that portion of, of media and the country and, and that enterprise, and it infiltrates our youth because, number one, people like Big C – don't say, hey, you're not listening to that trash in here no more. Mm-hmm. Turn it off. Yeah. You know, we've got to draw the line in the sand. And that's our job as born again believers. And I'm also going to say this one more thing. Heather, you're a nurse, right? Yes. You're a nurse. There's really only two biological sexes in humanity. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yes. Yeah. Who, who ever heard of furries before? Oh, my gosh. You know, yeah. the years, <laughs> yeah. the 2020s. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that, but but you know what? There are kids that their little minds are being exposed mm-hmm. to this stuff. Yeah. And they're fragile and they're just wanting to be accepted. Yeah. Yeah. But we've got kids that are identifying as furries. And if you don't know what that means, Truth Revival Nation, just Google search it real quick, you know. I won't purr, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. But how 
how bizarre. And it's almost like we have to accommodate and accept that. Yeah. You know, or yeah. because some male athlete is unable to compete at with other males. He identifies as a female yeah. so that he can possibly get a scholarship. Like I watched this guy over a couple of weeks ago. He blew the doors off of these girls running track. And it's like, but he identifies as female. Now I'm not saying that everybody does that or whatever, but we're just list. We're, we're living in a twisted, messed up culture. Yeah. Yeah. I think you had that when you said it's, a, it's an identity crisis. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Nobody knows who they are anymore. Mm-mm. And just to, I mean, that's what you're talking about in high school, and that's what it was. Like, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who I was. And I remember a moment at the House of Mercy, pastor saying in class, like, if you don't know who you are, the world's going to tell you who you are. Mm, that's good, yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I better figure out who I am in him. Yeah. right. Because that's, I mean, that's why, I, that's who we were created to be. We were created in his image. Yeah, that's true. And... I just, I remember, you you know, that was my nickname in high school was Gypsy. And I, because people call me that, a hippie, a gypsy. I mean, I dressed funny. I wore bell bottoms. I dig in my grandmother's basement <laughs> for my aunt's bell bottoms. My dad, I'd steal his albums. Like, my dad was, my dad was like, you're hot. Like, we weren't allowed to listen to that. I remember finding broken Tupac CDs. Like, yeah. he would break them in half. He wasn't putting up with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So my dad was like, he always pushed, you know, we, I would listen to his albums, which were they, they were better. They weren't the best, yeah, but, right. but you know, I grew up on like Allman Brothers and, you know, Marshall Tucker Band, yeah. Bob Dylan. You're my blue sky, you're my sun. Yeah. Lord, yeah. you know, it makes me high. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, um, but that's, that was kind of like the, the genre they pushed me in that was the realm they pushed me in well you're a hippie you're a gypsy well what goes along with that party yeah i mean that's just who i thought i was so i took on everything that that had to offer you wore the persona yeah it's like oh i gotta smoke pot then you know well i gotta sell pot I gotta get me a Volkswagen van. I gotta get me a Volkswagen van. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a Volkswagen Beetle first. Really? Yes. When I graduated high school, I got me a, a bug, and then the van happened. But I think you were right, Carrie. I mean, identity crisis. We've all struggled to fit yeah. in at some yeah. point yeah. or another. It's true. And when you find your people, yeah. you know, like your 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 group. You just you almost you try to thrive in it, you know. And some people take it further than others, yeah. but um, but yeah, keep going with that. Well, I mean, I wasn't. I played basketball. My dad, you know, if you know my family, like you play a sport. This is what you do. If you don't, then either I mean that was kind of like a rule in our house. You either play a sport, or you work. Well, I wasn't very good at basketball. I mean, let's just call it for what it was. I just couldn't find. Like my thing, I just did. I just wasn't. I just didn't feel like I was good at anything. So, but I was really good at partying. I was really good at hanging out, breaking all the rules. Uh, I was just really, really good at that. Good at that. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was. Right. And like you said, I was accepted. I didn't feel like I was accepted anywhere else. Mm. So that's just kind of like what I did. My whole 
all through high school. And then, you know, a lot of people stop after high school. Like, okay, that was fun. We partied. But I just couldn't. I just didn't. Like, it just didn't stop for me. It just became a way of life. It's just all I knew. So got wrapped up in it real real quick. So how how long? <clears throat> yeah, I know you said in, in middle school you started uh, – you know, letting things slip in, mm-hmm. you, you compromised. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing. You you just, you said, uh, compromise on small things. And yeah. then small things turn into mountains. Yeah. So in high school, uh, freshman year, sophomore, junior, which year did you kind of dive into, you knew this is where I'm going to go and this is what I'm going to do? Well, I remember as, well, I got my heart broke real good, real good my senior year. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with Chris Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lord knows I probably should have stayed with Chris Freeman because he was the good one. But, you know, you want the bad one. Yeah. You want the bad boy. And yeah. he was the good guy. I didn't yeah. want somebody to treat me good. Yeah. So um, I had my heart broke real, real good. And that just created like this um, desperation in me. Mm. Like I didn't want to feel anything. Because it hurt so bad, and I just did not want to feel anything. So it became this, I want to be numb at all costs. And I don't care what that looks like, and I don't care who I have to walk over to get get to it. I'm going to be numb, and I'm not going to feel anything. I I remember, because I partied too. Yeah. I mean, um, you want to escape reality. Because yeah. your your reality is no fun. Mm-mm. Because you're not accepted. You're you're not good at anything. Mm-mm. You don't meet anybody's standards. Yeah. So you just want to stay numb. Because yeah. when you're numb, you don't think about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know. I've been there. Yeah. yeah. And I've heard your testimony, not yeah. directly from you, but yeah. I've heard it circulated. And I've heard your testimony circulated. So I mean, back to that. It's a powerful thing. Yeah. We all have our own journey. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But Carrie, you said it so beautifully, who we are in him. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know, our identity. I, God. Yeah. And, and when you find that, yeah. that's your that's your happy place. I'm the righteousness of God Man. in Christ. Yeah. I mean, that's your that is my great my place of greatest fulfillment. Yeah. yeah. Was when I found myself in Christ. Mm-hmm. And for anybody out there listening, if you haven't found that, I am praying for you. We're praying for yes. you. That God would call you unto himself and that you would follow the leadership of the Lord and find out who you are in Christ. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. This is, you know, again, something else, uh, Carrie, that that they're uh, pushing in, in the schools. You know, if we're just some big cosmic accident yeah. with the Big Bang and we have we're just an accident, then do we really have a purpose? Who are we in this world? Why am I here? Mm-hmm. I mean, these are questions that people begin to ask themselves. And I'm sure that we've all kind of asked ourselves that question. Yeah. Right. I mean, Heather, did you ever have a situation where you kind of maybe got a little squirrely? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Squirrely. Uh, I like that. <laughs> I mean, I, I was in and out of church growing up. I didn't like, have parents that took me. My grandmother did. So it was in and out. Um, but kind of like Carrie, I didn't have that personal relationship at that time. And, um, I was influenced. I I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be loved. My parents were separating, divorcing in middle school. Um, it was difficult. So, um, I was looking for acceptance and I started hanging out with some of my brother's friends and, 
Um, they were all into drugs, so I dabbled a little bit. Um, it was it was a hard time, but yeah, I began to to see um, that that wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. It, it took me a little bit, but I, I thankfully found friends in high school who who did want to go to church and invited me, and I went to uh, New Providence and. You know, God just really, he started changing me, and um, the story wasn't over there. There's so much more to it, but yeah, I I really got into some stuff, and I could have really been down a really long, hard path, but thankfully, others, you know, God changed my path. I'm very thankful. Hallelujah. So, Carrie, you're after high school, and would you say you're off the deep end yet? Uh, Not yet. (laughs) It gets, I mean... You would think that I was at rock bottom, but man, it. So during during this time, yeah, you know, are you continuing in church? Is that I mean, because you was was you in a youth group growing up? Oh yeah, I'm because we used to probably see each other like oh, yeah. in these uh, circles of <laughs> youth reach. They used to call it, you know, and For we, sure. we would always run into each other. For sure, and um, you know, I. I can remember Brad Lane. Oh, yeah. You know, Brad was the Brad was the cool guy, and <laughs> and and Brad was another one. Um, Brad had this hippie look about him. Oh yeah. You know, we were raised by hippies. I mean, let's just it's just what it was. <laughs> but yeah. I, I love Brad. I got to work with Brad later on in, later on in life. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, I, I would see you guys from a distance, yeah. and I never really got to know you. Mm-hmm. You know, as a as a friend or anything, because you went to Madisonville and I was Teleco. You know, but, um, but, but yeah, uh, so, so you're, you're on this path and, um, after high school, what happens next? So after high school, like I said, I just kind of continued in that lifestyle. And like, I, I would definitely, my, my dad was pastor in a church in Rafter at this time. And I just had like this warped mentality of, well, when I get my life together, I want to go to church, not you know, he meets you where you're at. Like I was just, I always told myself it was the enemy that would whisper this in my ear that, well, you're not good enough to be at church when really that's where I needed to be. But yeah, I would just always, I remember saying to myself, well, I'll get my life together and then I'll go back to church. But that's not at all how it works. That's not who Jesus is Mm -hmm. and that he wants you just as you are so he can prove who he is. And I just, so I would be in and out. I would go, I would, you know, I would go to all like Father's Day, Mother's Day, stuff like that. Um, But I think like the foundational part in my heart was that my dad took me when I was little. Yeah. And that's so important to me. I I mean, I, I would hear Bible verses. I knew Bible verses, songs, and just stuff that had been spoken over me in my, my whole life. And I truly believe like that kept me yeah. from completely going over the edge because yeah. I knew a little bit of Jesus, and I knew a little bit of who he was. That's funny that you said that, because I can remember being in a room and uh, just lines of cocaine being mm-hmm. laid out, mm-hmm. and and people's like, that's crazy that you can say that, but I literally know the Lord did not let me do it. Yeah. He told me, don't. Yeah. If you do that, you won't come back. Yeah. Wow. I can remember that, you know, hearing his voice in those mm-hmm. moments. And you're like, he's in them moments. Yeah, he was yeah. speaking to me mm-hmm. because I know that if I did it, I would not return because he told me. Yeah. He said, if you touch that, you're done. And I'm like, oh, I'm good. And I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, no, I'm good. Yeah, I think that's when the light comes is when it's total darkness. Yeah. That's when he comes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so he, like you said, there were many, there was like a 10-year stretch 
where he kept showing up after me. Just kept, like we were talking about how, you know, you mowed my yard and you came to do work. I can't tell you how many times in my party stretch, I would be at a party and someone would walk up to me and be like, you don't belong here. Or somebody would walk up to me and be like, you have a call on your life. Like, just like the enemy uses people, I mean, God will use people. Like, it it was just crazy. Like, looking back over my life, I see his pursuit over me. Mm. And how many times he came to me in my sin, in my darkness, in my mess. That's when he showed himself. Yeah. Yeah, So, so yeah, I just continued in that. Um, I had my first daughter. I I tried to find my place in life. I went to cosmetology school. I actually went to Hawassi, told my dad, hey, college is not for me. (laughs) (laughs) Totally flunked out. Um, I was like, let's try. (laughs) I remember being so nervous to tell my dad that I wanted to go to cosmetology school. My dad was so cool about it, though. I was like, Dad, listen. I think I'm going to quit college and go to cosmetology school. I was like, I know it's like not a doctor or a lawyer or anything like that. And he said, hey, you know, doctors and lawyers, they need their hair cut. And I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> nice, Dad. Yeah. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for giving me permission to do this. So, yeah, so I went to cosmetology school. A 10-month program took me three years. And um, <laughs> three different schools and three years. I got a friend like that. Yeah. <laughs> so during that time, I had my first daughter, Marley. And uh, I think my parents really hoped that that would save me, yeah. like give me, like, okay, she's she's going to be a mom. Yeah. And But really the enemy flipped that upside down and really used that because I was a single mom, and he really played on my worth right there. And I just didn't feel like I was, I felt like I was damaged goods. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I really nosed. I just took a nosedive after that. Mm. That's when I really, that's when I got introduced to pills, opiates. Yeah. Because, you know, you could take a pill and you felt like super mom. You could do all the things. And so that's when it really started to spiral. And that was one of the things in this um, opioid mm-hmm. epidemic. Like, taking a pill is not as bad as. I mean, smoking a joint or yeah. snorting a line yeah. or shooting something in your arm. You're just taking a pill, you're right? Taking a pill. Yeah. And 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 most of them were prescribed by doctors, mm-hmm. and so they, well, the doctors know what they're doing, or oh, yeah. yeah. But we see now, looking back, that that was a huge crisis, and you were neck oh, deep in it, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I was. It was deep. It was like the pain clinics in Florida, like all that was going on, and like. People had scripts like crazy. I mean, it was like a, it was a thing, and I just got thrown right into it. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. dating a guy that was really into it and it just I mean yeah I just lost so many years of my life to that and it wasn't long till I lost my daughter Mm. I mean she was pretty young I think the first time I lost her she was two yeah I mean it it didn't take long take long at all lost everything Uh, you know I I quit school and lost her I mean I just it I went to jail you know I mean, those are just all the 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 things that come from 
that lifestyle. So, so yeah, lost her. Um, her dad, um, we, we were never really, I wouldn't say a relationship. So he, um, we tried to co-parent the best that we could, and he really stepped up and was her father when that happened to me. I mean, he took her and took care of her, and then my mom and his mom helped raise her. And so that created a safe place for her, so I knew that she was good. So that really didn't give me any reason. To stop. To stop. Yeah. So um, They kind of enabled you. Yeah. Not just per se, but. At the same time. I know. mean, they they just went into, like, survival mode. Like, yeah. there's mm-hmm. this little girl, and we got to take care of her. Yeah. And But, no, my mom will tell you that she enabled me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's just not letting me feel the consequences of my own actions. Right. So mm-hmm. that gave me no reason to change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In many different places of my life, not just with Marley. So, Yeah. So then um, that continued. I got pregnant with my second daughter. I was in a very bad relationship. Um, just a very emotional, emotionally abusive relationship. I mean, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was worth anything. So, I mean, my standards were pretty low at this yeah. time. And, um, yeah, so I got pregnant with my second daughter. And I was just, this was the time with the Pogo house. And um, her father ended up leaving. He was gone. I was all by myself. I just lost my car. Um, I was, my mom was about to kick me out of this house. Like I was about to be homeless at eight months pregnant. Yeah. And I ended up going to jail. And I remember waking up on the floor at the Monroe County Jail in the floor. And That's like, where you gain, regain consciousness? Is that what yes. You're? Eight months pregnant. Eight months pregnant. Oh, wow. Second daughter. But I had that moment, you know, you're reading the Bible where they came to themselves. Ah. And I had that, that moment. Mm. I remember waking up and I was like, what just happened? And how did I get here? And not just like, how did I get here? But like, how did I get to this place in my life? Mm-hmm. Because... Ten years was just gone. Yeah. Happened so fast. And it was just it was gone. And it I went back to those small compromises. That's where it starts. Cause the enemy, he doesn't come all at once. Right. He comes just a little bit at a time. And he doesn't come in a pitchfork and a cape and <laughs> horns. He doesn't come as those things. Right. He comes as beautiful and enticing and everything you've ever wanted. Yeah. Just like, you know, those movies we were talking about. Like, it shows the good time. Like, you're having a good time at all those parties. Yeah. But it doesn't show the next morning. Yeah. Or, you know, the consequences of everything that you did that night. There's a verse, and I can't remember exactly where it's at, but it says that filthiness clung to her skirt because she gave no thought to her future. And that was me. Like, I put no thought into my future. Yeah. Like I was just living in that moment. For the moment. For yeah. the moment. Mm-hmm. And so I'm waking up in Monroe County Jail with all those consequences. Right. All all those decisions I'd made. I was laying in my consequence. And I just had that moment of there's gotta be more to life. Like I know that I'm meant for more than this. Like I know. 
So I get out of jail that next morning, and I would love to say that I turned my life around that day. <laughs> I would love to say that. Um, but I feel like the Lord started cultivating my heart yep. in that moment. Breaking up mm-hmm. that fallow ground. Yes. Yep. Um, and I had a doctor's appointment that week, and I was going to UT high risk because I couldn't pass a drug test, so they were monitoring me and the baby pretty closely. And I had at this moment the night before I went to my doctor's appointment where I went out on the porch. There was a big porch at that house. And I went out on the porch and I was sitting there. It was raining. And I just I had that moment with God where I was like, okay, if you're real, because my whole life they've told me that you are, and I've heard about you, and they tell me that you're this help, you're an ever-present help in time of need. Man, I'm in need, and I need some help. So if you're real... I need you to help me. Yep. Help me, God. Help me. And it's so, no sooner than those words left my mouth, this presence came out on the porch like a rain. It wasn't raining inside the porch, but it felt like it was. And there was just this presence that came and sat with me where I was. And I'll never forget that moment. Mm. And it was just like, I'm here, and I'm going to help you. Now, I expected him to turn everything around right then and there. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to my, but it, that's not how it happened. But I went to my doctor's appointment the next morning. And I just looked my doctor in the eye and I was like, hey, I need some help. I have no means to take care of this baby. I have no one to help me. And I'm about to lose my house. So I don't really have anywhere to take her back to. And he just immediately, like he was waiting on this moment. He handed me a piece of paper, and on this piece of paper was a list of adoption agencies. And I was just like, okay, all right. felt a little relief, like, okay, I, I could do this. So I went home, and I called the first one on the list. It was in alphabetical order. It was Bethany Christian Services. And I called them, and I was like, hey, I need some help. And this sweet little woman named Miss Wanda came out to my house, drove all the way from Knoxville, and she— loved on me and she prayed with me and she was just amazing. She was truly like an angel. Yeah. And because I didn't really feel like I deserved any help. And she was just like, you know, we're going to, we, she laid out a game plan. Like, this is what's going to happen. Like, I'm going to give you some portfolios to look through. And if you see people that you think you might want to work with, you see that, you know, you want these to be your parents for your daughter. You just let me know. And I flipped through probably, I'm not even kidding, like 50 portfolios. Like how do you choose parents right. for your child? How do you do that? But I got to this one portfolio, and it was this woman, and she had like curly hair, a nose ring, and the guy had like this long red beard. <laughs> like I was just drawn to them. Like these are my people. But they had, like, a lot about them. Yeah. Like, something that I was drawn to. But what I would come to, you know, it was the Lord. Yeah. They love Jesus, and that's why I was drawn to them. So I was like, I want to meet these people. And so I met with them the next day, and it was just like sitting down with old friends. Like, I'd known them my whole life. And they loved on me, and they encouraged me. And, you know, we left that meeting, and my mom was driving me around home. I was like, that was crazy good. Like, that didn't make sense how well that went. She's like, yeah. And um, so I went into labor three days later. (laughs) 
these people had three days to prepare for a daughter. Uh-huh. And um, they were with me in the delivery room, and they were just so good to me. And we actually named her together, picked out her name together. They just included me and loved on me and encouraged me. And and I had uh, the mom was with me when I had her, and um, it was just a moment. And then after I had her, there was, um, you know, that was that moment where the doctor came in and was like, hey, your baby was born addicted. She had this in her system. She had this in her system. And I know, like, the room shifted when she tested positive for drugs. Um, they weren't so nice to me anymore, the doctors and then the nurses. And then DCS came in. And um, that's when the mom really stepped up and was like, we have an adoption plan in place. I need you to leave her alone. And I remember her kind of like pushing these people out of the room and the door shut. And she looked at me and she said, what do you think about open adoption? What do you think about her knowing you? And that didn't make sense to me because they're sitting here telling me that my baby is about to go in the NICU on a morphine drip because of the decisions that I had made. Mm. And she's like, but that doesn't matter because I know who you are and we want her to know you. And that was really the first time in my life that I experienced the love of God. Oh, wow. Where you don't deserve it, you don't understand it, yeah. but it's there. Right. And so that did something in me that day. It covered me, and again, it started to really cultivate my heart right. to get ready to accept Christ because that's where I was headed. Yeah. And that just did something for me that day. It marked me. And I'll just never forget that. In my darkest moment, like, and I will say that it's so hard to go to the hospital with a baby and leave without one. That is, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. But there was grace there. Yeah. It met me there. And I will say, people ask me all the time, like, adoption, man, like, do you think that was the will of God? Do you think that was his plan? Do I think that was his plan for my life and for, for hers? No, I don't. But I do know that God is redemptive in everything yeah. that he does. Yeah. Everything. He will work all things yeah. together. So I, I think that's that's what happened that day. Yeah. That's what happened. So I would love to say that I left the hospital and turned my life around. I'd love to say that. (laughs) But that's not what happened. Oh, wow. I'd wallow (laughs) for another year. I'd run for another year. But that next year was rough. Yeah. Because you knew the truth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I just got a little taste. Yeah. And once you see the face of God, once you're with him, once you've experienced that presence, nothing else is going to satisfy you. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah, you're never satisfied. Mm-mm. You can run, run, run. Oh, yeah, and I did. And I would do well for a while, but then I'd get in my feelings and wallow in that for a while yeah. and use that as an excuse. Right. Yeah. And then my, my dad called me, and he's like, I read this. <laughs> I read this newspaper article, Tammy Connor. Um, she, The advocate had done a story on her, and my dad got a hold of this newspaper. And then she was radical, you know. Yeah. She's radical. And uh, he's like, I think it gave him a little bit of hope because if she could change, he knew I could. And, you know, she was part of the House that Mercy built. 
So he immediately reached out to pastor and had, was going to have the girls come to his church. At that time, they were going and giving their testimony mm-hmm. at different churches. And so, and he said to himself, he said, you know, I'm not going to mention my daughter. I'm just going to sow a seed. I'm just going to sow a seed into this ministry yeah. in faith. Yeah. And... um so, yeah, he, he booked the house that Mercy built to come the first time. He called me, and he was like, hey, why don't you come to church? We're going to have a special service, and we'll have the house that Mercy built. And in my mind, I knew what he was trying to do. Oh, I said, yeah. Dad, let's just get one thing straight. I'm never going to be a house of Mercy girl. Never. Those people are weird. They dress the same. They do all those weird songs. I'm pretty sure it's a cult. And they brainwash people. <laughs> like, no. Let's just get this straight. Yeah, never. Never. <laughs> never say They brainwash people. Never. Very cool. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I was convinced. So I didn't go that first time. He actually had him come back a second time. And I'm just hearing this, like, from... After I'm in the house. They're yeah. telling me all, what yeah. all really happened. So the second... Second time they were at um, my dad's church, I guess, like, spirit broke out. Like, there was revival. Like, people were in the altars, like, calling out for their loved ones. And Roma had shared a verse, the verse out of Acts 16, that, you know, not only if if you believe, not only will you be saved, but you and your house. Mm -hmm. And my dad grabbed hold of that, and he wrote my name next to that verse. And there's something that happens when you use the Word of God and your faith. Yeah. There's something that happens in the spiritual realm. It was like the Lord was like, all right, I'm going to get her. Yeah. And my life, I I mean, I felt it. I felt the Lord like saying, this is it. This is it. So my dad actually... um, called me that Monday morning was like, I want you to come to the porch and my house. When you get a summons to the porch, something's about to go down. Either you've done something wrong or like, <laughs> this is like a serious talk. Yeah. So I remember a slow motion walking up to the porch. Like what is it? Like I was like racking my brain. Like, did I steal something? Did, you know, cause I mean, that's where my life was at. Yeah. And, um, he sat me down and, he was like, Carrie, this has gone on long enough, long enough. And he just began just to weep. He just broken. Like, I just saw my dad so broken for me. Like, I know my mom and dad were so scared for me because they knew, like, I'd done jail. I'd done rehab. I'd been to rehab. I can't tell you how many times. Yeah. I had booked one-way plane tickets flown across the country to try to get my life together. I had done – I'd been hypnotized. I had done – all these things. And my dad was so desperate. He's like, Carrie, please, I'm begging you. Can we just get you some help? Will you please just go visit the house of mercy? Will you just go visit? And I guess, you know, seeing my dad cry, that was, I was like, yeah, dad, I'll do, I'll, I'll go visit. I'll go, I'll go check it out. So we drove out there. Um, with another House of Mercy House of Mercy graduate that I actually went to school with, and we drove out there, and I remember walking up to this beautiful home. I mean, this this house is beautiful. I remember walking up to the door, 
And when I stepped onto the porch right before I put my hand on the door, this presence met me again. And it was like that same presence that met me on my porch. (laughs) And I'll never forget that. Because it was like an old friend. It was like a, a blanket. It was like a piece. It was just all these things that I needed so bad. And he met me there again. So I went into this house and not even kidding, can't make this up. Walked up. All the girls were sitting there. And one of the girls was a drug dealer, one of my drug dealers. And I was like, what? I was like, okay. I looked at my dad. I was like, if she can change, anybody can change. (laughs) So, I mean, it was like, it's the real deal. It's the real deal. Like the word of God, the presence of God, like that's where the change is. Yeah. So I agreed to go, um, but I had to wait three days. That's there. You've got to detox for three days before you can come into the house. And so I was scheduled to come in the house on Easter Sunday of 2015. So I stayed with my dad those three days. And I don't even really remember. Like that was totally the grace of God. I don't remember those three days at all. Like, but I know that I didn't run. And I'm a runner. Yeah. I ran from everything my whole life. I ran from Chris Freeman my whole <laughs> life. I'm a runner. That's what I do. Um Well, that's the gypsy spirit. It is. You say? Yeah. Right? It that's is. Success. I would run to all different parts of the country. I've lived everywhere. I would run when things got hard. But I didn't run this time. And I know that. Like you said, you heard the ver- the voice of the Lord. Yeah. I heard the voice of the Lord when my dad said, will you go to the house of mercy? I heard that booming voice. If you deny me now, I'm going to deny you later. Yeah. And I knew, you know, the Bible talks about a way out. Yeah. I knew in my drug stupor that he was giving me a way out. Your way yeah. of escape, huh? Yeah. Like a yeah. trap door. Like, here you go. I'm yeah. giving you a way out. Exit stage left. Let's yes, go. Yes, <laughs> let's go. And I knew that was my last opportunity. Wow. I knew it was. I was in Shaw Hollow. This is no joke. Okay. My drug dealer came and got me and took me to church. Yeah. <laughs> the day I got saved. Because he thought, he, he thinks he's good. Yeah. To this day still, you know. Yeah. And he may be. That's between him and the Lord. Yeah. Uh, we went. First Baptist Teleco. On the way home, we're in Shaw Hollow, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm in the back seat. I wrote a song about this back seat passenger side. Yeah. I'm like, boys, I'm done with this. I said, I got to give my life to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And they're like, are you crazy? I'm like, no. And I never will forget it, Roman. They twisted a big one up. And they stuck it behind the headrest. said, here, just hit this and think about it. Yeah. And the Lord told me blatantly right then, as I grabbed it, he said, if you don't choose me today, I'm done fooling with you. Yeah. I can take you to the curve we were in. And I remember sitting that thing in these, this hand here, and I broke it in half. Wow. And when that car stopped, I crawled out on the gravel and begged for forgiveness. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think everybody has a point in time. Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. There's a time in your life where you come to a crossroads. Yeah. And he's just saying, choose me. Yeah. That like it's like that verse in Deuteronomy where it's like, I'm giving you this choice. I've called together I've called heaven and earth together, you know, 
choose life. Yeah. Yep. Choose life. And I think we all come to that crossroads where it's like you yeah. have to make a choice for yourself. Yeah. Because in him is life, and that yeah. life is a lot of men. <laughs> well, as you've already shared, though, in your testimony, Carrie, you know, there was other opportunities, and I'm sure your mom and dad prayed, and, you know, they you thought you were going to make a change, Paul, probably you too, everybody mm-hmm. who's ever been involved in something, you know, it's like, well, I'm going to change now. I want to stop. I'm going to stop. Now. I'm going to make a change. New Year's resolution. It's a yeah. great time to stop, you know. <laughs> yes. But it's just like that prodigal son. He had to get to that point where he's tired of it. Yeah. yeah. In that yeah. place of shame. Yeah. yeah. In that yeah. place of filth. Yeah. And there was nobody else. Mm-mm. He was he was done. Yeah. yeah. He was tired of it. And you see, God knows where that place is for everybody. Yeah. yeah. That's right. And and there might be somebody out there that's listening, and you may have a family member or a loved one, and, and they haven't re- they haven't um made it to that place yet. You know, Carrie, what would you say to somebody who has a family member that they're not ready to, like, surrender yet? Like, you know, because I hear people say hard love, you know, hard love. Like, what would you say to somebody like that? What can they do for that family member? Lock the door. Like, I'm telling you, my parents had to lock the door and quit answering the phone. They had to quit interfering with what God was trying to do in my life. You have to get to that place where there's no other Savior. Mm. Like there's no other Savior. Do I believe in hard love? Yes. I believe you have to get to that place of, I ain't got nobody to call. There's nobody else to call. But I also, on the flip side of that, believe that you can... Like I shared, you know, show somebody the unconditional love of Christ. Mm. But the unconditional love of Christ is not bailing them out, not giving them money, all those things. It's just loving them in the place where God can get to them. Yeah. I mean, that is really my honest advice. That's what worked for me. I remember my dad not answering the phone when I'd call for gas money. I remember my mom locking the door on me, not letting me stay the night, and I had to sleep in my car. Because that gets you to a place of soberness where you're like, I need help. Yeah. And you have to want help for yourself. You have to be desperate for the change, or it's never going to work. Yeah. Wow. You had to have that moment where you came to yourself. I came to myself. Uh-huh. Yeah. That aha moment. And that's what scripture says, I believe it's Luke 15, you know, where this prodigal, he came to himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the pit. In or, the pig pen. In the yeah. pig pen, you With know. The pigs. Eating yeah. the corn cobs, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hungry, mm-hmm. stinking, starving, homeless, probably. Yeah. Nobody wants that for their kids. No, it's you know, hard to watch. You want to protect them, you want to love them, but that's what it took. Mm-hmm. And Carrie, you know, I know the rest of the story. You know what I mean? Like, so to see you now, what a story of healing wow. and restoration. Of course, I won't let you tell it. Yeah. You no, know, obviously, but what a change God has been able to make in your life. So here's what I want to say. There's hope. Yeah. yeah. Yes. There's hope in Christ. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, so Carrie, uh, continue if you're, uh, if you're ready. Yeah. So I just, um, I went to the house of mercy. 
on Easter Sunday. And I went to, um, I was in Sunday service, and, man, I literally walked in that church barefooted. I didn't even have shoes. My shoes had got stolen the night before um, at this place I was staying, and I went to get some clothes, and, like, my house had been ransacked where I was staying. I had nothing. I didn't have any shoes. I literally walked in there barefooted in a dress that I borrowed. <laughs> For real. Like, I, uh, it was just so symbolic. I just can see myself walking in there. But I can't, I don't even remember what Pastor preached on. I don't remember, but I remember Roma was up there singing a song, Break Every Chain. And I just felt the Lord so strong, like just calling me and just calling me to Him. And I just fell on my face in the altar. And I just said, God, this is my surrender moment. Like this is, my moment, and I, I don't, I have made a complete mess of my life. I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm just telling you to do what you do, and here it is. I don't have anything. I've literally got a trash bag full of clothes, and I don't even have shoes on. Like I don't have anything, but what I have, I'm giving it to you. And um, man, what a beginning! <laughs> what a beginning! Um, because he will come into all the places, all the places you invite him to. Yeah. And then some. And so I went to the house of mercy and that night, um, I, yeah, I had detox three days, but, but Tammy Connor was my house mom. And, um, she prayed for me that night. I don't even remember what she said. I don't remember. I just was like, so like out of place. I was in this new home with all these women and. But she laid hands on me, and she prayed, and I went to bed that night. When I woke up that next morning, I can't, I don't know what happened to me in my sleep, but I remember waking up happy, peaceful, and just filled up. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really have the words to describe what I felt. I felt whole. And um, I truly believed I got delivered. Yeah. I mean, that's what Jesus did when he walked the earth. He healed the sick, cast out demons. And I really believe that's what happened to me. Because there's no other explanation that I went to bed one way and I woke up another. Yeah. There's no other explanation than the Spirit of God delivered me. And well, the only thing in between was him. That's it. Right. Have you watched The Chosen? Yes. Listen, I can't even watch the episode. (laughs) I was in my bed watching it on my phone when it first came out. Chris is asleep, and I'm literally bawling when yeah. she's like, when he calls her name, yeah. Mary. Yeah. I'm like sobbing, snot, and yeah. everything. The whole bed is shaking because I'm trying to be quiet. Yeah, that's my favorite episode. Oh, that's yeah. my favorite. Chris looks at me. He's like, "What is going on? Yeah. Like, you gotta watch this." Yeah. So, so yeah, that was me. I'm no longer the same. That I was me. It. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah. So after that, because, you you know, okay, so being in church, you, you hear, I've heard about all these testimonies, and I've heard about, you know, people getting saved and, like, the Lord, like, meeting them. And I, I'd heard about all these things, but I'd never experienced for myself. But mm. then I know in Job it says that, you know, my ears have heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. Yeah. And I just, 
I, I laid eyes on him. Yeah. So the, I was so hungry after that. I was like, I have got to know about this Jesus that delivered me. Like, I've got to know everything that I can about him. Right. So for that whole year, that's all I did. I devoured my word. I had to know. I started in Grace Mountain has you start in the Gospels. Yep, Grace is a great lady. Man. She's a great lady. Foundational. Like, yeah. she's like, she teaches the word. Yeah. And you start in the Gospels. So I just got to know Jesus. And I just started to take him at his word. Yeah. And then figuring him out, I started to figure out who I was. Yeah. And there's something so special about when Jesus tells you who you are in him. Yeah. And I was that girl that, you know, everybody had wrote off. Society had wrote me off. The courts had wrote me off. Like, everybody said, you know, she's she's been in this for a really long time. Habitual. Yeah. Yeah. She's not coming out of this. Right. She's not. And I remember reading in Ephesians. It was It's actually a class that Roman teaches. And... I remember reading the verse in Ephesians where it says that you were once who were afar off, that you were an alien to the covenant, that you had no hope, yeah, and you were without God. Those who are far off. There's two words. It says, but now have been brought near yep. by the blood of Christ. Amen. And I remember thinking to myself, yeah, I was an outsider, and I was that person. But now I'm not because I've been washed in the blood, yeah. and that's who I am now. So when that light went off that I wasn't her anymore, that I was truly that new creation, Yeah, something flipped in me. I started walking a little taller, started holding my head up. I'm like, I'm the righteousness of God. <laughs> I'm, I am who he says I am. Yeah. Like, something flipped in me. There was another moment. I had several moments. That was one moment. But the other moment was in pastor's class, and he teaches the identity class. He he talks about, you know, the three Hebrew children, and he asks us to name the three Hebrew children. And when somebody asks you that, what do you say? You know, Miss Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's what you say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Well, that's that's not who that's not their names, right? That was their that was their slave names, slave yeah. names, yeah, yeah." So then he begins to dissect this this class, and I actually have these notes, and they're they're so special to me, like I get them out all the time. And so he begins to teach on identity, and he quoted this verse, and it's this verse that I heard my whole life, but. You know, you read verses, and then you read verses, and then they come alive all over again. And he spoke John 10.10 over me. The thief comes to steal, kill, destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have that in abundance. To the full. Yeah. And when he spoke that word over me, I'm not even kidding. It was like blinders, like that Saul to Paul. It was like blinders fell off me. Because my whole life I thought, that I was born this way, that it was like some chemical imbalance in my brain, that I was truly born this way, created to be a drug addict. I remember telling myself that. 
But that's not at all the truth. And when the truth comes, the truth sets you free. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I really do have an enemy. I really do have an adversary. And this addiction, this imbalance, it's a spirit on my life. Because the Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's not what I wasn't wrestling against myself, but it's against powers, principalities, all those things. And so when I knew the truth, when I figured the truth out, I rose up and fought. I was like, no. Okay. Now I know where it's coming from, and now I know how to fight it. And I'm not letting him have any more in my life. That was a moment in my life where I'm like, nope, no more. Enough's enough. No more. And that was a switch flipped in me. There's a verse in Isaiah that says, I've set my face like a flint. Come on. (laughs) And I will not be ashamed. Yeah. (laughs) You just have those moments where you're like, yeah, okay. Resolute. Yes. Determined. You make up your mind. Yeah. You answer the call. Yeah. You answer it. Rise up. Yeah. yeah. They come with horses and chariots, but my gosh, I'm coming in the name of the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm about to take you out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, Carrie, um, you know, I said our target goal was about 45 minutes. I know. And uh, we've been going for an hour now. Seems like we've been here for 15 minutes, you know. Yeah. But um, I know that there's more more to the story. Oh, yeah. There's more there. And... Um, I just want to say how proud I am of you to see what God has done in your life, in your ministry, Mm -hmm. in your family. I love Chris Freeman, by the way. Me too. He's a great friend of mine. Chris has got a powerful testimony. Oh, man. To see who Chris was Mm -hmm. out in the world. I mean, it just, you know, like... That hurt me for the longest time. Yeah. And I didn't know how to talk to him. Yeah. I've always been, I mean, maybe people see from the outside, Roman Hamilton, but like, I'm socially awkward. Like, I don't always know how to approach people because I don't want to be judgy or condemning. And I never was able to really tell Chris, you know, just how much I loved him. But I'm so thankful, though, that God used your story and your testimony and God has done a great work in him now. Yeah. And you guys have an amazing family yeah. and a great ministry. And just, I mean, a story of healing and restoration. Yeah. Just, and, and you guys are walking in it now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say this, Roman. He, that's how I heard about your testimony was through him. I mean, you had such an influence over his life. I know playing football together. and But sometimes it's not the words we say. It's sometimes just by the life we live. Yeah. And I think that, you know, just seeing you have your family and you be the joy of the Lord, people want that because they see it's real. Yeah. And, I mean, people people see that in you, and I think that was such an influence on Chris and, you know, knowing that it, it's the real deal. Solid. Genuine. Yeah. I would call you solid. I would, too. <laughs> I definitely would, too. Yeah. He he would just say, you know, he never wavered. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, here's the thing. We all have our path. Yeah. <laughs> we all have our path. And, mm-hmm. you know, like right now in our culture, 
it went from being like the American Pie movies and all the schmutz. And now it's these superhero movies, yeah. you know, the Avengers. And I just feel like God is assembling a team of people in Teleco. Yeah. You know, God is bringing people together. Yeah. And Carrie, we know the enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, we know the enemy's devices. We're not full, but, but that doesn't make it any easier. But at the same time, it's like we know what we need to do. Yeah. You know, and we're praying over our families. We're seeking the Lord. Mm-hmm. We're on the front lines. We're on the battlefield. We're fighting the good fight of faith. Yeah. You know, and um, and I'm thankful to have a fellow laborer in you. Yeah. And and Paul and Heather and um our partners and friends down at the River of Life and House of Mercy. Um you know, that's one thing that I feel God has called me to do in this area is to try to build bridges yes. in churches yes. because our churches are so splintered and fractured yes. and you have churches up on rafter and people think we're all alone Yeah. or you have churches down rural Vale and people think, well, we, we don't have any friends Yeah. and, and nobody, you know, or you have a, a church right in the middle of town and yeah. their church sign is busted and devastated, has been that way for years. And people from the community, they see when the church is, you know, yeah. busted up. Yeah. You know, I love like, what they tell you in the jail. When you go to minister in the jail, they say, listen, when you walk through those doors, you leave your denomination at the door. You're coming in here to spread the gospel. And, I mean, the truth is, he's coming back for a bride. Yeah. And that's all of us. Yeah. That's all of us. So that's awesome. It's true. It's awesome. But... We need to strengthen one another. Yes. To encourage one another. And um, Carrie, your story today, your testimony yeah. has blessed my heart. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I know that it will bless others as they hear it. Um, because somebody that's listening, they have a daughter yeah. that could be blessed by your story. And I, again, I just am so thankful for what, that you've been allowing the Lord to use you as a vessel. Yeah. I'm seeing on Facebook all the time, Carrie Freeman, Carrie Freeman, <laughs> Carrie, go on here, go on there, you know, born again, gypsy. And like you're allowing God to, he has elevated you, but you're allowing God to use you yeah. on that platform. Yeah. You know, shining the light. Yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah. Heather, give us your closing thoughts here. What She's a story. So talkative. <laughs> I know she is. Well, I've had to calm well, her down. <laughs> but just give us some closing thoughts here, Heather, and then we'll hear from Carrie. Uh, just closing thoughts, and then uh, Mr. Nationwide will wrap us up. So I'm just blessed to be here and to hear her testimony again. I, I've never heard it. I've heard a lot about her testimony. I've seen her out in town singing, and um, she blesses my heart. And so it's really, um, really a blessing to hear all about your testimony. I'm, I'm so glad for you being able to share it and changing lives. Um, I'm so thankful what God brought you from and what he's going to do for other people. So um, thank you for sharing. Amen. We didn't even really talk about your singing. (laughs) And Heather brought it up. So thank you for bringing that up. Have you ever wrote a song? Yes. How many songs have you written? I mean, I wrote. You know, how many? I mean, okay, I just, I wrote one like last week. The Lord, I mean, the Lord gives you songs. You can't help but write about the Lord. Yeah, that's true. You can't help it. Yeah. Especially when it's like you and your guitar, of course it's going to flow out. Yeah. Here's the thing. I, I can sing about the Lord. You can't write songs? Well, I'm uh, not. I mean, it's like, it's not in me to want to do that. 
You know what I mean? Like, could I? Probably. It's like, but but I don't, I think you're a songwriter. You're an artist. Mm-hmm. Paul's a songwriter. You know, this is your happy place. That's mm-hmm. your, that's where you can be expressed. Corey's a painter. Yes, she is. Can I paint? Sure. Can I paint your van? Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can I paint your store? Yes. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to tell a funny story about the van. Okay. But uh, can I paint? Sure. Am I any good? No. <laughs> right? But like, again, God has callings for all of us. Yeah. And when you find where you fit in the body of Christ, you find your calling, you find your purpose. Yes. Like, you're, you thrive there. Mm-hmm. You know, me, I, I've wrote one song. And I wrote it in 06 or something, maybe. Um, and that's all I've ever felt inspired to write. Hey. You know, um, I could tell the story, but that's for another day. Uh, anyway, about the van. Okay. And if anybody's ever seen the Born Again Gypsy van, you know, Carrie's even got a Volkswagen Cup right now, folks. I do. All right? I do. But, oh, that's uh, nice. But she, she, went that. And, she went and got the the van, you know, um, and she had Corey paint it. Corey mm-hmm. was going to paint some wildflowers on there. Yeah. Corey had never painted a van before, but, you know, she's going to do this for Carrie. Well, it was parked up behind my house up on a hill. And, like, there's a big oak tree up there, and there's a hill. There's my house. There's another. um, There's trees. There's a trampoline. I mean, it's up on a hill. There's no way to get it down. Well, we get it up there, and this van has no power steering. No. Right? It's old school van. Old school. We get up there and I, I and, and Corey's like, I need this to be down in the driveway, homie. Because I don't I don't want to keep walking up here to paint it, so I need it down the driveway. I'm like, okay. Well, I go up there and I try to start it and um the battery's dead. And I'm like, shoot. Always dead. <laughs> battery's always dead. I'm like, well, how am I gonna how am I gonna get this? And like I've never drove a Volkswagen Beetle. There wasn't a um uh, a dome light or an interior light yeah. and I'd done something and it started moving forward and I went, Oh, and like, I, I tried a couple of things that it moved forward just a little bit more. And I thought, well, there ain't no going back now. Uh-uh. I said, there ain't no go-. And like, I just picked a route <laughs> <laughs> and I went with it and, you know, carry in my, in like through your yard. Yes. Yeah. In the span of like two seconds, I thought, I thought, Carrie's been looking for this van. If I wreck this van, she's going to kill me. Like I just had all these, but I thought I got to go for it. Cause I knew that I could, you know, catch the clutch. Yeah. Yes. And, and the so, brakes are not that great on the man. either. I didn't know that. But <laughs> They're almost non-existent. So. so I go for it right down through the yard between the trampoline and my house. And each, oh, no, and, and I catch the clutch and Corey's sitting there going, Oh, you know, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's Dukes of Hazard, yeah, bro. Yeah, it's pretty dangerous. I, yes, I, but I made it. I think everybody I, needs to drive a Volkswagen van at least it, once in their life. I go through my yeah, with that big steering wheel, you know. Um, and that was my experience in the Born Again Gypsy van. Dude, you're, that is insane, Roman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, that's a lot like the Lord, you know. You just got to go with it. You just yeah. ride, it ride it out. Ride it out. In faith. So, uh, Carrie, thank you again for coming on the show. Yes. Just closing thoughts, anything you want to say before we close it out? Yeah, you were talking about, you know, if you have a daughter or even a son, I just want to just encourage you that the Lord is mighty. He's mighty to save. And it can all turn around in one day. Yeah. Your whole life could change in one day. Yeah. And just to never give up, never give up. Grab a hold of the promises of God. I mean, grab a hold and don't let go. Amen. Yeah. Boom. 
Chappy. Listen, I, I woke up this morning in the middle. Well, it was in the middle of the night. We are created. I really felt like the Lord was speaking to me. We are created out of love. Yeah. In love. But we're not created for redemption. We have to choose to be redeemed. Mm-hmm. And, and he wants us to choose that redemption. Now, we're created out of love. We can love. But we're not created to be redeemed. We fight being redeemed. But he made that way of escape through the blood of his son for us to be redeemed. And he's saying, hey, come unto me. Be redeemed. And I and I found this verse, and I thought about you when I found this verse this morning. Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Wow. Clothed in his righteousness. Yes. Hallelujah. And you know what? On those cold days, right now it's cold outside, and you put that jacket on, that jacket will warm you up. Yeah. Man, don't you know when uh, we put on Christ... Man, he just makes us feel warm and love. us up. Yes. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Home sweet home. Well, this has been Truth Revival. Miss Carrie, Born Again Gypsy. Thank Get down you for to the boutique the and buy you something. Yes. Down to the Born me. Again Gypsy boutique and buy you something. That's right. Yes. Are you selling online now? I am. I have a website. It's www.thebornagaingypsy.com. Born Again Gypsy. Boom. We'll put a link in the show description. But, Carrie, thank you for coming on board today. Miss Nationwide. Heather, thank you for being on the show. Carrie, for Paul Chapman, I'm Roman Hamilton. We're out of here.